Happy New Year! I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome back to the Framestore podcast, our first of four special episodes where we review what was 2022 through the lens of hand-picked members of Framestore leaders in film and episodic, advertising, immersive and pre-production services. As you know by now, our podcast is a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. And each week we present a conversation across two halves, but not for these episodes. Firstly, there's no co-host, just yours truly, chatting to our senior leaders. And rather than the usual set questions designed to find out what makes our guests tick, we've altered the questions to focus more on the work, the shows and the people. This week's first special guest is Lucy Killick, COO for Film and Episodic, based in London. This is another essential listen and a great opportunity to look back over the last year, aided by some incredible shows, work, experiences, and of course, Lucy's perspectives. So that's it from me. We very much hope you enjoy episode five of the Framestore podcast with Lucy Killick. Welcome to the first of four special episodes of the Framestore podcast. As mentioned in the short introduction at the top of this episode, we are changing the format for our first episodes of 2023 by reflecting on our work in 2022 via a new version of the Framestore podcast Daily's Questions. First, we are kicking off with a look at our film and episodic work across the last year. Then we will follow the same format with special episodes looking at integrated advertising or IA, Immersive and Framestore Pre-Production Services, or FPS. Joining us on today's episode is special guest, who really needs no introduction, Lucy Killick, COO for Film and Episodic, based out of our London studio. Welcome to the podcast, Lucy. Happy New Year. Thank you, Simon. Happy New Year to you as well. Did you have a nice have a nice time? I had a dreamy time, thank you. It's very quiet. I have a very uh, Small family unit, so it was how we like it, all very chilled. How about you? Yeah, also quite quiet, very um, understated. I was asleep before midnight on New Year's Eve. Woohoo! Well done, rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) So rock and roll. Um, But no, it was just quality family time with too much food and quite a bit of alcohol. But there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) No. Um, So thank you for signing up to get involved with our our special set of episodes. A few of my colleagues uh, suggested we do something like this and uh, you were our first booking, Lucy. Okay, no worries. Thank you. I hope I live up to expectations. We'll see. (laughs) We spoke to your agent and uh, always (laughs) good. All Get good. Get invoice later. Um, so we've got the uh, the Framestore podcast dailies questions, but we tweet them. So um, you'll have listened to the podcast already. I'm sure you're a regular subscriber, Lucy. You've listened to the, the full gambit. Yes, indeed I am. So we're not going with the traditional approach and we don't have a, a guest co-host for this because we're trying to pack in, as I said already, four like retrospective episodes over the next few weeks going into 2023. So if it's okay with you, we're just going to treat this like a little fireside chat where we... Uh, Eat what's left of the mince pies, and uh, oh my god, yes, <laughs> no worries. And, uh, and and helicopter over the year that was twenty twenty two, which okay. was uh, it's been an interesting one. I mean, my first year at Framestore, um, a lot of change. Um, there's the method integration. Yeah. There's the continued growth of Mumbai. There's us entering into this 
strange new world of hybrid working yes. and, and all the challenges that come Indeed. with that. So how has your uh, 2022 been, Lucy? Um, I think you just you summed it up as well. It wasn't, however, it wasn't my first year. It was my 24th year. But it, yeah, what a year it was. Very, it, yeah, very different. I think we're still adjusting to the post-COVID workplace. Hybrid working has definitely brought its challenges. It definitely has shown us some advantages and some of the flexibility of, of, of how, the way we work. But I also think we're going to start to see what we're actually missing out on, that the, the, the working together as a unit, um, the camaraderie. I really want, at 2023, I want that to be the year where we kind of bring that more of that back into the into the mix. I think what we do is really team-based creativity. And if we're sat in our bedrooms by ourselves, then there's there's certainly something something lacking. So I think it's astonishing, commendable, amazing what we've done the last couple of years. But I think we need to kind of refocus and maybe reassess what works best for us as a as a company and also what what's mo- the most satisfying way to work as well. I think while a lot of us have been enjoying the flexibility of working from home, I think there's maybe perhaps a little bit of lost satisfaction because you can't celebrate with your team if you're sat by yourself. So anyway, so that that I think 2022 has kind of been a year of absorbing what is this change and then maybe 2023 is focusing how best to benefit from the change but to re- remind ourselves of what it was like to be every day working with a team yeah i love i love how you use the word satisfying as a, as a way yeah. to work because it has been a i mean it's been a challenge of mine it's been a challenge of a lot of people that i've worked with around getting that kind of balance right where you know it's almost like a year of discovery really how you make those kind of communal experiences work whether you are sitting next to your colleagues or or you know just come out of the holiday season you know how do you you know how do you celebrate the year how do you you know you know, recognize success rather than just kind of sending an email to people and copying in the whole team or exactly. staring at yourself on a Zoom yeah. or, or, or Teams or Google Hangout. And um, I think we've tried lots of different things, haven't we? And I still think we're on that, that journey of discovery in many ways. Yeah, and I think the art of conversation is also something we need to reignite. I think relying on messages and G-chats and just the, the, the whole communication art form, I get that's changed. But I think talking and seeing people looking people in the eye and talking to them I think has so many benefits that we don't uh, intangible benefits of actually being in a room with someone and talking to them I think that that's that's what some of us are lacking yeah I agree I mean there's a whole I mean we could have a whole episode on the on that yeah (laughs) yeah the the hybrid piece particularly around uh, everybody talks about water cooler yeah exactly the benefit of those inter-meeting yeah. conversations rather than the meetings themselves because you know we've been in a lot of the same meetings where yeah. you know it's the same people with the same faces and you don't have any of those you know sub conversations yeah. after the meeting where the magic happens and that the ideas come from it's oh i didn't think yeah. of that or you know or, or those kind of exchanges absolutely but yeah we could absolutely i mean one of um i mean i don't want to give away any future episodes but we have got one coming soon with uh, one of our global hods who who talks about yes we're a tech business but we're ultimately in the people business definitely and that really speaks to you know what you've just said around the art of conversation and yeah actually how to connect with people you know you, you i know you're part of the, the global mentoring program and one yeah, of the, of the elements of that program isn't just career development uh, you remember when you signed up you've got the communication pot because we've forgotten how to communicate yeah particularly those uh you know gen z folks coming through who only know this world i know i know they yeah having the the confidence to go up 
and talk to a, you know, a VFX supervisor if you're a coordinator. That's something when I was a coordinator I had to do. I couldn't use GChat. So it's it's giving people the tools to be confident to have a conversation. And I think to do that, you have to be here in person. So it's working out how to nurture that. Without a doubt, I agree with you. And, and don't get me started on the conversations with directors and clients and yeah. external partners, not just those inter-team conversations. Exactly. Right, I'm going to stop talking about hybrid now. It's one of my favorite favorite subjects, as you can probably tell. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and I'm also in danger of giving away a lot of your answers by uh, talking about, you know, how long you've been with the business and whatnot. So the only two kind of questions we haven't tweaked are the first two okay. uh, questions of the daily. So we're going to open the dailies. We're going to cue the dramatic sound effect. Okay. <laughs> And the first question is, uh, it's an interesting one, this one. It's uh, who, where, what? Who are you? Which I think we've established. Where are you and what are you working on if you're allowed to talk about it? Okay, well, I'm Lucy Killick. I'm the COO of Film and Episodic. I'm based in London and I'm in London right now as we speak. It's the sun set at 10 past three, so lovely in the winter. And what am I working on? Well, if this is a 2022 summary, I, I, what I wanted to say is what I have been working on. I guess what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, I would say, is is client, people, and production management. So that sounds like just a lot of word salad right there. But it's basically <laughs> what takes up all my time is just dealing with it's dealing with people. Um, and there aren't enough hours of the day to deal with all of them and all the questions and all the decisions. But I try my best to give my attention and guidance and support where it's most needed. So one day it might be client management, another day it might be a particular team that's struggling with something, another day it might be a producer that has some budget issues. So it's it's that's kind of what I do. Kind of everything. Then. A little bit, little bit of everything. <laughs> um, but my main focus for the early part of 2023 is handing over my, I've been running the London studio for four years, four and a half years now, and I'll be handing that over to Lizzie Bedford while I can fully then transition into my COO title which is across all five sites so my some of my answers today with the questions you're going to ask me will probably be London focused because that has been my my focus for the last four and a half years of course um so apologies for the global audience if they seem too London centric but that that has been my past few years um but the early part of 2023 I'll be I'll be handing over that mantle to to the very capable Lizzie and moving into the more global role well, that's uh, exciting on, on numerous uh, counts, both for you, Lucy, and uh, and of course, our, our good friend, Lizzie, who uh, yeah, I can't think of a better person to take on that mantle. Exactly. Apart from your, exactly. yourself, of, of course, Lucy. <laughs> um, brilliant. And then you alluded to how long you've worked here, so which is our second question, where you said this is your 24th year. Can it be so that you've been here for 24 years, Lucy? Well, that that's the, that's the thing. There's actually the short answer is off and on for 24 years, but the long answer is I joined Framestore in 1998 as a production coordinator in what was then known as the long form division, which was feature length projects released on television, but not in the cinema. This was all pre-streaming. It's going to show my age. I then moved to the Framestore film division in 2002, but I then resigned in 2005 to go client side. So I was a client-side VFX producer for five feature films, many varied experiences and exciting. Um, and good to see the business on that side. But then in November 2011, I returned to Framestore as an exec producer, and I've been with the company ever since. 
And uh, I knew a little bit about that, having done a little bit of LinkedIn stalking. You'll see my face pop up on your your profile at some point when you do <laughs> your social media ring later. Um, but yeah, tell, tell us a bit about that experience on the client side, Lucy. What what have you taken from that experience returning to to Framestore? I think having been on set, working closely with five different directors, and then having Double Negative or Framestore or MPC be my vendor and I'm the client. So I've, I've, I've kind of, I've been inside the client's body. So when I, when we now have clients, which we deal with all the time, I kind of, I've, I've been there. I kind of know what they want, what they should want, what they should be asking, what they should be needing. So, and I also know the pressures and strains that they'd be under because I've, I've done it. So I think having that knowledge, hopefully will then help me guide the teams internally to provide the best service we can provide. Yeah, again, being on that side, it's the experience. There are things I probably picked up that I don't know I picked up, but just by being on set, working on that side of 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 the whole big machine that is visual effects, I've yeah, I think I've I've absorbed more information than I could probably explain. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and it it must. Um, I mean, in terms of credibility, to have that experience under your belt as well, you know, you get to see both perspectives, which you know, both in terms internally and externally, with the with the directors and the clients that we work with. I hope so, because then I hope when I when I with one of our producers, if I'm on a call with one of our internal producers talking to a client, I'd hope they know that I've been a client. So, so yes, the cred the credibility is, is hopefully a big factor. Okay. Well, again, I'm in danger of getting deep into this conversation, and we've got quite a lot of questions <laughs> to get through, Lucy. And I have already cued the dramatic sound effect, and we've talked a bit about your your, your history with Framestore. So we're going to get into the retrospective now, Lucy, okay. which uh, I'm very excited okay. for. And, uh, almost, a, it's a very nice long geeky section in many ways because we get to talk about the shows. Which is um, what was the breakthrough show of last year from your perspective, Lucy? Breakthrough show 2022. That yeah, yeah. There are some tough, some tough questions in here, Simon. I must say. So I, I did, I did, I did think long and hard, and I looked at our roster of shows that we delivered in 2022. And again, apologies. This is a London biased answer because that I lived and breathed London, so I just got to be a London answer. And I would say the breakthrough show would be Men. Oh yes. It certainly wasn't the biggest show we did, but a, a very unique independent film relatively low budget but with a very complex brief and painlessly delivered heart excuse the pun if you've seen the work we did <laughs> but <laughs> i think the yeah. team it was just a very unique creative team that created some amazing imagery and david simpson actually won the british independent film award for best visual effects which i don't think we shouted loudly enough about at the time so I wanted to give him and the team a shout out now on this podcast because I think the work they did is it was amazing. It was it was crazy, but looked beautiful, and well done them for winning that award. So that that was my choice of answer for that question. That is a, a strong start, Lucy. Absolutely, and, and what a I mean, what a piece of work. Um, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm tr- desperately trying to get my wife to watch it because it's on Amazon <laughs> Prime now, and uh, we we do the classic kind of uh, you know surfing the streamers and. Uh, watch the trailer and I can't get her to watch it it just looks absolutely <laughs> terrifying not an easy one it's uncomfortable it's an uncomfortable watch yeah going back to when I started at Framestore because that was kind of uh, I guess about to deliver when, when about a few months after I I joined and just the the, the the diversity of the work that comes out of Framestore I was really taken with I remember going to one of the the whip screenings and there was a big there was the the opening to Love and Thunder with that 
gonzo space battle and yeah. then there was a scene for men and you couldn't pick two <laughs> you know, contrasting, yeah, contrasting exactly. pieces of, of filmmaking but yeah i mean complex brief for sure right how complex did it go i mean of course as a piece of work it's completely original and incredible to look at as well as to you know get absorbed into but you know what, what made it a complex brief from, from yours and your team's perspective Liz? well i think it's such a crazy idea how do you make that believable i think that's what the complex brief is is a brief that imagery how how does an audience buy into something that is so unbelievable so that to me is, is what makes the brief complex and so i th- i just think the work that went into the all all the effects all the animation all the i mean it just it came together in such a horrific way <laughs> a beautifully horrific <laughs> a beautifully horrific way and that 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 to me is, makes the brief complex is an idea that seems so crazy to then execute it realistically and then to win an award for it. So I think I think that's and that's the beauty of what we do, isn't it? Is taking that whatever's on paper, yeah, regardless of the idea, and it manifesting as something. As you say, you know, any post house, any any studio can create content and can create visuals, but it's making it believable. It's making yeah. it you know a a story that you engage with where you don't get distracted by, you know, VFX or exactly. however you want to call it, and you get completely absorbed by the, the storytelling. Exactly. Visual effects can be very distracting when they're done poorly. Yeah. yeah we've seen that happen, haven't we? Yes. That's a, yeah, that's, that's not a podcast we want to put out there. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I haven't got any hidden questions. No, good. We delve into the, uh, the, the other side of the, uh, the coin. So we're going to move into question four which is a bit about culture. So historically on the podcast, we talk about what's the best thing about working at Framestore, which always feels like a bit of a cheesy question. And actually much prefer this question on this revised version of the pod, which is what was the best thing about being part of Framestore this last year? Well, then apologize for my answer because you said the, the, the previously framed question used to be cheesy. Well, my answer, I hope people don't find cheesy. Go cheesy, go cheesy. I think the best thing about being part of Framestore in 2022 is the people. And I think you've had that answer before. I'm not trying to copy people's answer, but you hear this often about this company and I, and you hear it often because it's true. And what we do, you know, we're not saving lives. So it it could be seen as trivial, but it can actually be very stressful what we do. Um, Then we have so many variables with tricky clients, challenging budgets, changing working conditions, all the above. So you need to rely on the team around you. And that's what I do. And I work very closely with senior management and senior creative teams. And I genuinely enjoy their company. That makes it much easier to do your job if you like the people you're doing it with. So sorry for the cheese, but that, that's... The that. <laughs> Embrace the cheese. I think that's the best part. I mean, obviously, the images we create, undoubtedly, I'm immensely proud of. And you have to take a step back and say, wow, look at that. That's also a good answer being part of frame is being part of a team that makes beautiful images but i think day to day it's being able to work with people that that you like as basic as that answer is it's it's pretty fundamental we like a theme on the podcast yeah. and the reason why we have the same questions is we exactly. get to build these great themes exactly. and people do talk about the people and it is what makes uh, frame store a great place to work whether we're reflecting on the last year or you reflect on the last 24 years i'm sure lucy exactly. is exactly. Uh, if, if that's possible even possible yeah. to reflect over what, what an incredible career 
but yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, it is the people, isn't it? And I've got into this. I mean, I've geeked out about it on the podcast before. Uh, I've always enjoyed, you know, it bores my family to tears when I'm like, stay for the credits, stay for the credits. Don't care about any cut scene at the end. I just want to see who's worked on it. Yeah. I like to see if I recognize anybody's names. And you always get a wonderful sense of um, of collaboration when you see all those names, particularly on the uh, the production, the artistic side. You know, you get to see all of these names. I mean, it's an absolute wall of people. I know. I just, it's still just, it still hurts me that visual effects are always at the end of the roller. And I, I mean, I don't know if it's alphabetical because it's V for visual effects. It's not. I think it's because we were the last part of the process. But we're, we're yeah, you've got to wait many minutes to get to our names it's so frustrating isn't it it's it's yeah it's a bit sad it's also never enough names like we could probably double the amount of names and the number of people who actually are involved in making the beautiful images we have but you know clients they, well studios just don't give us enough lines or names or what, whatever the contractual obligation is it's never enough it's got to change isn't it i know we I mean we had a it was um it was daniel mizuguchi's episode i'm sure where we he talked about gravity and wasn't that the first show where the the vfx names were front and center like after the end at the end of gravity apparently oh i well, i didn't know that stat but alfonso's a big he's he he gives i think he gives credit where credit's due so he's i think that's i respect him for that and that is a, such a unicorn, isn't it? I mean, yes. you think about, yeah. you strip out the VFX from, I mean, we just talked about Thor, haven't we? But you strip it out of any any big, you know, superhero-based show, Marvel show. It is, that's the film. I, I mean, know. Cracky. Exactly. I mean, the, the multiverse of madness wouldn't exist without, without yeah, multiverse. Exactly. You know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's, a, it's a great answer, the people. Um, so moving into uh, what, you know, the, what, we're capable of doing you know we've talked a lot about some of the groundbreaking shows already but what one show and you can throw in a few notables as well if you want Lucy. you don't have to okay. kind of land on just one but what show truly showcased our capabilities in 2022 uh, this is yeah another hard question and i think my answer will probably surprise a lot of the audience but i'm actually going to say thor ah. Because it may not have showcased our finessing capabilities, because we kind of we kind of ran out of time. Marvel didn't give us enough time. They would, they didn't know what they wanted until the very last minute. So, I'm not saying it showcased our finessing, but I genuinely think it showcased our teamwork ability. And there's that magic word, teamwork. And I think we, as I've said at the beginning, I think we need teamwork more than ever at the moment. And because of us working home as individuals, the team effort of getting a project done is at the core of what we do. And Delivering Thor is a great example of teamwork. I mean, it was the last project in the method pipeline for our Vancouver and Montreal offices. And the work done here in London was done in pretty much 10 weeks. So it was a collective effort to get that show delivered and to do it with the positivity that I saw, especially from the London team, was, was just was really impressive so that to me is that the capability of working in a team is delivering what was a bonkers show on a bonkers schedule and also the fact that it was the last show in the method pipeline was kind of the the beginning of the integration that was sort of part of them seeing how almost represented that didn't it yeah so I just think it's kind of a milestone for 2022 of of what we can do and then now all those those teams are now you know they're now in the frame store pipeline so it was sort of a transition period but we got there and the client really loved working with us. So I think, yeah, I think it was a 
crazy time, but it was overall hopefully a positive time. Yeah, I mean, with having men next to Thor was two of your answers, you know, again, two completely bonkers yes. stories from two exactly. <laughs> Yeah, massive budget to tiny, but like to, yeah, complete ends of the spectrum. But I think, again, that says a lot of frame source capabilities is the sheer difference between the two of them. Yeah, I love that. That you know, there's a stake in the ground for that. That that the method integration and 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 those folks becoming part of the frame store yeah, family and exactly and it being a bit of a hell for leather, you know, tough deadlines, tight deadlines. Yes, and just doing it with a smile. Well, mainly a smile. Just getting on with it and being honest with the client. They knew they were bonkers. We knew they were bonkers. Let's just do it. So yeah, and yeah, we I mean we did a lot of work on that first that opening scene didn't we I mentioned it already but the uh yeah. that crazy space battle with I mean it was yeah insane it's <laughs> again another crazy brief but in a different marvel way not in a giving birth by men way anyway. yeah god yeah, I need to watch that again. <laughs> I'll convince my wife to watch it we'll, uh, we'll get stuck Good into luck. it for sure um so moving into uh away from capabilities and more into surprise and awe so how did frame store surprise audiences last year what did we pull out of the bag I mean talk about men already which i know exactly and i was gonna say that uh, men giving birth to men that's 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 (laughs) surprising you can't top that um but yeah can't really top that but i've already talked about that so i'm actually going to say the the american portal ride sequence in doctor strange in the multiverse of madness i think that's the standout visual effects sequence in that film and the film is pretty much 100 percent visual effects so it's i think it's the best part of that film and that sequence it's just executed brilliantly and Chris Townsend who's one of our clients on another Marvel show we're doing at the moment he said he could watch that sequence looped over and over again and never get bored and I agree I I mean it's it's a piece of art isn't it it's an absolute piece of art it's beautiful and there's always you see something different every time so it's beautiful it was expensive but it's it's beautiful (laughs) and I really I genuinely hope it wins many awards i mean it's shortlisted for a few in the award season now we'll see what happens but i it's yeah it's 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 beautiful it's incredible it's it's nuts i mean i uh, i saw alexi present it at another one of the early whip screenings that i was invited to uh, not long after i started and saw an early version of it and even that early version was insane it yeah. was just you know how how you go from you know, from being paint to being kind of i know cartoon and then yeah and then all different styles of animation car- yeah i know it's it's yeah it's very creative and and stunning really but i love that as a standalone almost an nft like its own its own yeah. thing yeah you know, that we could definitely yeah trade on i think it is incredible it is incredible and yeah i mean that was that was a big one for sure yeah well fingers crossed we uh we, we rake in the awards for that because it is a beautiful piece of work we're moving into some of our final questions now and we have saved uh, some of our final questions we haven't tweaked because uh, i'm sure our uh our, our, our listeners are keen to hear what Lucy's uh, culinary dish is because that is our, our <laughs> the final question. I mean, that's yeah. why people listen to this, right? Of course. Yeah, forget of course. All, all the craft-based content. But we're going to get into the big lesson that either you or we as Framestore learnt in 2022. Well, aside from cloud, cloud rendering is very costly, but that's, that's a whole <laughs> other conversation that is not for that's now. Uh, that's a big lesson. Sorry if this is a boring answer, but I honestly think... The big lesson is I would say that as a business, we need to limit our variables. To be successful, we need to limit the variables and we need, we need to do more work on fewer projects. So doing a little bit of work on a lot of shows 
means more clients to deal with and every client is different. Some of them trickier than others, but they all have their own demands. So even the tiniest shows can be as demanding as the 20 million pound Marvel shows. So we need to harness more economies of scale by doing larger amounts of work on fewer projects. But I, I think we've kind of been saying this for maybe two years now. So maybe it's not the lesson of 2022. I think it's the lesson of post-COVID is what it is. And I think if we can harness efficiencies, I think we can we can do we can just do better as a, as a business. Sorry if that is a really corporate answer, or, but that's that's to me that's the lesson that I'm taking into my new role in 2023 is is how how can we be more efficient and create the best images on a on a on a bigger bigger scale. No, that makes sense. And yeah, I mean, we have corporate fans out there as well. We have a nice mixed audience, <laughs> not just about the, just... the geeky show stuff, you know. I no, I'm all uh, for cool it's... images, but we're also a business. We've got to still survive as a business. Are we talking about being kind of awarded more, you know, fuller shows rather than kind of, you know, a shot or here and there? Is that kind of what you're alluding to? Yeah, I mean, I, we are, I mean, we are doing whole shows. We're doing all of Wonka. We're doing all of uh, Brooklyn. Sorry, code name. Anyway, I'm using some code name, some non-code name. Sorry, but you'll know what I'm talking about. And hopefully, we're doing all Paddington three, and we, you know, so so we want to do a whole lot of whole shows. As we we now have five sites, surely we can spread the work across all five and just own the whole project. And I, and that's you know, Fiona would love to do that. I mean, that's kind of everyone's aim, rather than doing. I mean, but the thing with Marvel is they leave everything so late; they're never going to give a whole show to one vendor because they 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 give us very short post schedules, so they've got to chop up the work. But I think owning the creative of a whole show is also more rewarding. And going back to us talking about being satisfying, owning a whole show, like the gravities, you know, we did, we owned it. I think that is more satisfying as a as a business and hopefully as a team to say that's frames that that is frames of a show. No, I completely agree. And you know that that pride really comes in with that, doesn't it? When you get to kind of see a show and go, we worked on that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with having those amazing. I mean, like the multiverse of madness scene. Exactly. That was incredible super proud of that yeah. but wouldn't it have been amazing to have owned the whole the whole shebang you know i think that's the world domination basically well, do, well domination. although i think if we'd done the whole of dr strange and multi madness i think we would have gone bankrupt yeah i was gonna yeah exactly <laughs> there was way too many complex work on that yeah anyway that a, yeah that's out, that's out there another gonzo gonzo yes. movie for sure yeah brilliant thank you lucy um, so getting into um, question eight, which we had to tweak significantly um, for it to kind of make sense, which is who has been your MV- MVP, most valuable player or, or MVPs this year? So it's kind of a shout out section. We normally talk about mentors, but in this case, it's about who we've shouted out a few folk already. But who would you put out there as the, the MVPs? And again, unfair question, but I'm asking it anyway. It's all right. It's all right. I can answer it. My answer for this one. I would say is the team on Scallop, the Little Mermaid. Um, that project has been going on for a very, very long time. <laughs> uh, Pre-COVID, all through COVID, and at the other side of COVID, we're still working on it, and we hope the light is at the end of the tunnel. There's a release date of May. It's it's finally a test audience has seen it. It's tested really well. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that to the world and podcast, whatever. It's out there. Um, but I'm hoping that the knowledge that it's going to be released in May is is in itself, you know, a light at the tunnel. The team can keep that momentum that they've had for such a long time, and it's been it, 
it's just been such a long slog and the work looks unbelievable, like mind-blowing. And it's definitely, that's got to be award-winning. Um, so for all the Scallop team, maintaining the stamina, passion, professionalism on that project, I salute you. You are my MVPs. Going back to what we talked earlier about um, bringing people together, you know, hopefully this year we'll see more uh, more exciting kind of rap parties. And I imagine Scallop rap party will be a, a big one. Oh, the Scallop rap party, that, that's, that's one to mark. Yes, exactly. Mark your diaries whenever that is. Just keep the whole of May free. Yeah, if you can. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, brilliant. Excellent answer. And yeah, that's uh, definitely been a worth I keep talking about kind of, you know, my, my short career at, at Framestore so far, but it's definitely come up a lot. You know, it's been ever present, the word scallop in lots of conversations. So uh, yeah, be, uh, super excited <laughs> yes. to see that deliver. And it, look, it yes. does look incredible for sure. It does look amazing. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that, Lucy. So um, we're getting into our, our final few questions now where... Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to send a bit of mess- messages out to, to our frame historians, our, 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 our global teams, which is uh, what message or advice do you have for our frame store teams going into 2023? What is it you want to kind of uh, put out there to our thousands of peeps? Again, this seems like it's going to be a common theme, but I'd say my advice to everyone is to remember that you are part of a team. We're a large company, but we're still all about the people. And each and every employee should feel part of the team. We have a really strong support structure in place. Any any of you, if you feel isolated in the current working from home hybrid conditions, but please reach out to a teammate or a manager or even better, come into the office together more. Um, we've got great offices globally and spending time in them reminds you of what it's like to be part of a team which again rolls back to the theme of this whole podcast. I think it's all about the people, working with the people, communicating with the people and enjoying the people. It's much more satisfying. So that's my advice is if you're sat at home in your bedroom and you're thinking, what am I doing? You, you are part, you're part of the team. So reach out. That's a really good answer. And I've been really taken with that since, uh, we launched the global mentoring program. I mean, yeah, I'm, exactly. li- I'm literally just about to email all the all the mentees, and there's uh, over 200 of them now because uh, we're running some training on uh, on being a mentee and getting the best out of your mentoring conversations, which I promised back in the back in the summer when we launched. And but since we launched the program, I've been really taken with by the take up. Does that make sense? Like yeah. the amount of people that are connected now across geographies and disciplines and locations. Some people are connected within their own discipline and that's super cool and some people are connected within their own geographies as well people are really engaging with it people have really you know there's these new relationships that have have built that have fed into that idea of community isn't it which is brilliant and that's why that that's just expanding what your team could be it could be someone geographically but someone again i'm saying about being in the office but if you're if your mentor is on a in a different site then that's a different that's a different team maybe even a different discipline, as you said. So it's expanding options of, of teamwork, which I think is exciting. Yeah, yeah. You know, almost reframing what the idea of team and it isn't yeah. just that immediate crew who you hopefully sit with in the office or sit with virtually. Yeah, exactly. Right, now this is a hard one. This is a hard question, which is what, what what's one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? So that's my cheeky way of trying to add extra questions without having to think of them myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> but what... If, you know, what was one answer you're dying, something you're dying to talk about and Simon just didn't ask me it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, what do you want? 
I yeah, I I guess my time on which we we touched on though, my time on on set client side, I guess ask anecdotally because I know some people that is that sort of a an unknown the the the, the film it's amazing what we do is is obviously we we're making images for films but the actual filmmaking process that side of the business is so unknown to a lot of people who work at frame store so i guess it's ask it's it's being exposed to that that i guess that side i kind of take for granted because i did it for 6 years and actually prior to starting at frame store i was i was client side as a coordinator so i've kind of i know that shoot side of of the industry so I guess ask about that. I I, I don't know. <laughs> you know no, Lucy, you're doing this over the summer. This is a great, great answer because, you know, I've worked in this industry for the best part of 10 years now. And we always talk about life on set, what it's like to work on set, whether you're in production, whether you're on the artist side, whether you're on the client side. And I spoke to loads of artists where they, you know, if you're like the lead soup on that shoot, you're the eye of the storm and you have to be an earshot of every single kind of human person on that that shoot. I hear about it all the time. I've never been on set. I speak to entry-level teammates constantly, apprentices, interns, who all ask for experience of being on set or some kind of simulation of what it is to be on set because it's absolutely, from a training perspective, from my world, that kind of is great content. That is what people are craving. But not everybody gets to go on set, right? No. And to be honest with you, I don't think you can simulate it. Sorry to, to burst that bubble. I honestly think it's such a unique atmosphere with such unique personalities, weird hierarchy, structure, protocols. Trying to recreate that without it actually being a shoot. I don't I don't know if you I don't know if you could do that. Sorry. Maybe maybe you can. Maybe someone can prove me wrong. So but I, yeah, I think that, that shoot experience I would love to think of a project that, again, going back to doing whole shows. If there's a whole show that Framestore owns, maybe we could get, we could make part of that having more Framestore people on set, exposing them to that set experience because I think it's really valuable. And even the work we're doing on TFC, which which, which is a whole Framestore project, Tim Weber directing, there was a sh- you know we we there was a small shoot for that, and that was all f- so that as many Framestore people as possible that were able to witness that and the feedback I got on that was they were so excited to actually be on it it was a small airy stage it wasn't the big leaves and backlot or whatever but they still got exposure to shooting conditions which I think is just a, it's just a different part of what we do that is it is it is genuinely exciting it really is it, it's it's can be quite tense and intimidating and all sorts of emotions can imagine but it's it's actually, yeah, it's, it's it's filmmaking at its core, which in itself is exciting. And like you say, that's what we do. Yeah. We're in the, we're in the storytelling business. We're in the filmmaking business. And, but I, and I agree with you. I mean, I've never been on set from what I hear. It's not something you can just, it's not like you can just create a mock set and get everybody to play their roles. And you, know, you can be the DOP over there and you've got this backstory and this kind of personality. and Exactly. And, and, and different producers DOPs directors they they all have different ways of working and like I've heard stories I thankfully I haven't worked on a Mike Myers film but apparently if you look Mike Myers in the eye he fires you I mean like there's there's some real weirdos out there, out there. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast but I've heard wow, like people have their quirks and so it's it's quite a it's quite a unique environment that's quite exciting and and that 
yeah, that sort of experience I don't think you can teach. I think you just have you have to be able to be exposed to it. So how do we get frame store staff exposed to it? I don't know. I'd like to like to try, but we'd have to own our own our own production really. Yeah, that would make sense. That would definitely make sense. And you must have so many stories, surely, working on on set. Not just kind of big names, but yeah, God, I, I know I have to. I need to. I need. To, I need to think of some good, yeah, some good anecdotes. I, yeah, I, I, I. You know, I don't want to get you into any uh, legal hot water, Lucy. I'm sure, they'll all come flooding out. But of course, you put me on the spot, so I don't necessarily have. Um, I do know. Well, actually, on Children of Men, I know that Michael Caine's assistant, his personal assistant, was older than Michael Caine. I think Michael Caine was eighty at the time, or whatever. So I'm probably getting the facts wrong. But bless him, his assistant was his, was a fr- an old friend of his, and so his assistant needed assistance to get th- get things for Michael Caine. <laughs> that was interesting to wow. watch. I mean, Michael Caine he was on set for just ten ten shoot days, and his assistant needed assistance. That's a great and Children of Men, Lucy. That's a great. That was movie. my first client side film role. Yeah, that that was a baptism of fire. But it was yeah, I'm proud of it. It was tough, but it was it was good. It was very good. Yeah, it's a great, great piece of work. And yeah, to get a credit on anything like that, super proud. I am indeed. Excellent. Good. Well, we'll stop kicking out. That's a great, love that. Worth answer, asking that question just to get that Michael Caine tidbit. I'm sure he doesn't listen to <laughs> okay. the podcast. But, uh, okay, right. We're, we're getting into our closes now, Lucy, which is, uh, and yeah, this is, this is, I'm always looking for new guests on the pod, particularly going into a new year. And we're trying to keep up with our weekly release cadence. So who would you like to hear from? from Famestore, of course, on the podcast in 2023, and why? Um, I'd like to hear from one of our um, longer-serving Mumbai colleagues. I'd like to get to know the Mumbai team better. I'm actually going to Mumbai at the end of February for a week, which I'm very excited by. But I, I, I think this sort of format is a great way to get to know individuals better. So I think one of the longer-standing members of Star Wars. I know because we're growing that studio, there's a lot of new employees, which is great and exciting. But I think for the podcast, someone that's been there a good six to 12 months or more, I think it would be great just to, to, to get to know that team better. So that that was my answer. Well, at least I have some good news because Prashant Nair, CG Soup in Mumbai, is confirmed for a future episode oh, of the podcast coming soon. Excellent. A new year gift to you, Lucy, and to the listeners of the Framestore podcast, of course. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely need a lot more voices uh, from Mumbai on the podcast, uh, for sure. So we're coming towards the end of the episode, Lucy. I'm sure you'll be uh, gutted to hear. (laughs) It's been very nice chatting with you. Always, always. It'd be remiss of me not to ask the question we ask everyone on the podcast, which steers us neatly away from the world of visual effects and animation and into culinary delights okay so lucy if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life what would it be this is another tough question simon and that's quite limiting one meal for the rest of my life yeah sorry there's a gun to your head moment i'm afraid and i did i did think i think i pondered this because i am a bit of a foodie and i but my answer would probably be a goat's cheese salad (laughs) because (laughs) (laughs) you get the lovely tangy cheese sometimes on a little piece of bread but then that's on top of a salad. So there's enough variety of food groups to be able to sort of keep it interesting for a little while. And you could change the salad ingredients and it would still be classed as a salad. So I'm, I, was try, I was trying to get longevity out of the answer. And I love the taste of goat cheese. So there'd be room for some variation. So I think I could get, I wouldn't be bored so quickly. So I could eat that a lot. Um, probably not every day for the rest of my life, but I think I could, I could do it for quite a while. <laughs> 
you could mix it up enough to keep it interesting. Yeah, I initially was going to say, because I, I went to Italy this summer for my summer holiday, so my initial answer was going to be cacio e pepe pasta, but it is so simple, but I fell in love with it this August, but it's basically four ingredients. So it's pasta, butter, cheese, and pepper, and that's going to get boring after a week, surely. So that's why I went with the goat cheese salad. But if you, ha- you, if you eat that food, I'm assuming in Italy or Sicily, it is incredible what the, the Italian and Sicilian people can do with so some seasoning and some pasta, basically. Oh, I know. I, yeah. With pepper and cheese. I know. It was, uh, yeah, I ate it a lot in the two weeks I was there. Not every night, but I ate it a lot. So that was, was my initial answer. But then I thought that would get boring. Cheese salad. It's interesting. These, this question reveals quite a lot about the people we speak to because it, it shows yeah. like a real, like, you've really thought about it. There's creativity in there. You, t- you used the term longevity. Second appearance of the word salad on the podcast as well. You talked about the word salad earlier, which I love. I love the term word salad, which I'm taking. (laughs) I know who used that. I only heard that about two years ago and I thought I've got to use that. It's like a a word salad of just bleh. I love love the idea of a word salad. Well, I'm taking it. It's worth doing this podcast for these little nuggets that I can just collect. But uh, yeah, the cheese salad that you can kind of, yeah, mix up, I think is great. You can mix up the the leaves, you can mix up the cheeses, you can bring all kinds of wonder to that salad if you had. And it could still be in the definition of a goat. You wouldn't be breaking the rules, but you could. Right. There we go. And I'm going to have to tweak the question now because that was a nicely, nicely wriggled out oh, okay. answer. <laughs> but of course I won't. Of course I won't. Um, Lucy, and, and I have one more question, which isn't, it isn't in the ones that I sent your way. And you don't have to Ooh. answer it here and now, but we do have a, uh, a, a podcast playlist because uh, a lot of our artists and producers and folk that we spoke to listen to music while they work sometimes, unless they're on the phone to be. Okay. So do you have a go-to um track or artist or genre that you go to while uh, you're working when you're not on a call or dealing with the day-to-day oh of God. London I'm that's not my thing I'm not music's not my thing I know that's a lame answer but even even on a commute on the tube I, d- I, I don't put my earpods in and listen I don't I don't listen to music I, I, I mean it, it's weird, isn't that weird? Some people are driven by; they always have to have music on the background. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not one of those people. I mean, I love a live concert. I'd go to all sorts of things. I've been to see Muse live. I've seen Elton John live. I've, I'd see all variations, but I'm just not. I'm not a muso. Well, no shame in that because um, we actually I got really excited when we we recorded the first episode because I mentioned earlier we spoke to Sergio, our Unreal trainer, and uh, the question that he he wished I'd asked him was what music I listened to. Uh, okay. And it was on that episode I thought, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. We're going to have an amazing playlist, you know, <laughs> frame store podcast playlist that I set up. And then I would and say 80% of the people I've spoken to have said, well, I don't really listen, I don't listen, listen to music <laughs> while I work. I'm like, oh God. So if you do have a few tracks, you can throw my way after the podcast is wrapped, Lucy, I'd appreciate it, but don't sweat it. If, if not. That's funny. No, it's That's funny. Isn't it? So it's, it's growing, but not at the rate that I'd hoped. That you wanted it to be. Okay, fair enough. I'll but think of one. Please listen to it, people, if you are into your, your Spotify playlists. So okay. link, in, link is in the bio. Lucy, that was brilliant. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, share, plug? say to the people of Framestore who listen to this podcast thank you for a, a tough 2022 we made it head held high our work is fantastic you've all worked really hard and here's to a great and exciting 2023 perfect let's leave it there thank you lucy no worries
Well, that was episode five. Thank you for a brilliant conversation, Lucy. There's just enough time for a quick disclaimer relating to one of Lucy's answers. We did a quick Google after we recorded this episode and Sir Michael Caine was closer to 72 years old when Children of Men were shot. So apologies to Michael if you were listening. Join us this Thursday for episode six of the Framestore podcast where it's President of Advertising USA, James Razzle's turn to brave the 2022 Review Podcast Daily's questions. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Thank you.